Not every encounter with the paranormal is as terrifying as some may think. In some cases, people can get rather attached to the spirits that haunt their homes. This story shows us how a bond can form between the haunter and the haunted. Welcome to Deliver Us. Charles and Caroline Gentry lived in a house that dated back to 1760. They had lived in it for some time before they had started to experience anything out of the ordinary. The start of the activity was centred around a small door in their kitchen. The door was short and panelled, crude by today's standards. It hid a set of steps which led to a space upstairs, a large open room which, at the time, was unused. The door was often mistaken for an old cupboard as it didn't go all the way to the floor but rather stopped at the top of the first step. Beyond it, the blunt risers were very steep and narrow and the room above the kitchen was rather dank with low ceilings and a wide planked creaky floor. Prior to the events in the house, the door was always left ajar. There was a small wood block that would twist in order to keep it closed and no matter how many times it got tightened, it always seemed to slip allowing the door to open. They just kept closing it, over and over again, thinking it nothing more than another quirk of the old house. Eventually, Caroline, seeking to remedy the problem, came home with an antique black iron slide lock, which Charles installed on the door. That's when things started to happen. At 2.30am, the couple were awoken by a banging sound coming from the kitchen. It was not a natural banging. It seemed intentional. The best way Charles could describe it was that it was like someone was repeatedly slamming a baking sheet on the table. Charles grabbed his baseball bat and with great caution and more than a little trepidation went downstairs to the kitchen. He didn't know what to expect. What he found was nothing. Nothing was out of order. All of the doors and windows were closed and locked, including the small door to the stairs. This activity repeated like clockwork for several days, the banging every night at 2.30am, with no explanation. Needless to say, the couple were frazzled and confused by the events, so Charlie had their neighbour Fred, who knew everything about the house, come over so he could help him inspect anything that may be causing the slamming sound each night. Fred's wife, Mary, took an interest in the unexplained event and asked Charles and Caroline to think about anything that might have changed around the time that the sound began. Caroline explained the lock put on the door. Mary, who was a true believer in spirits, suggested that they leave the door unlocked. This sounded very strange to the couple, but they went ahead and did it anyway. From that night on, the banging stopped. Unlocking the door became a part of their nightly routine before going to bed. It had been a week and all was quiet. Charles became fascinated by the door, the unexplained noises, and how they only started when the lock was fitted. Charles was never one to subscribe to such things as spirits, but seeing as no logical justification had been forthcoming to this point, he felt he should keep an open mind to the possibility. His curiosity led him to do some further investigation into the construction of the house. The old house was unique, not only for its age, but its beauty as well. 
The kitchen, where the disturbance seemed to be centred, had been a summer kitchen originally. It was detached from the main house from 1760 until sometime in the 1930s, when it was joined. It's believed that the two rooms upstairs, now one large room, were used as servants' quarters initially. Caroline was not comfortable with what was going on, so wanted nothing to do with Charles's investigation. One weekend, Caroline left to visit her sister, so this gave Charles an opportunity to really investigate the activity in the house. He went out and purchased an audio recorder to see if he could capture any activity. He also invited his friend Dan over, who thought the whole thing rather silly, but agreed nevertheless. Before Dan arrived, Charles climbed the narrow steps off the kitchen to spend some time in the room above. The space was unused, mainly because they couldn't get anything up the tiny staircase, which wasn't much wider than a ladder. Once the door opened from the kitchen, it's one step up to a tiny landing, then a 90-degree turn to the right, and 15 steps up from there. Charles paced about the room. Then, he began to hear music. It wasn't specific at first, but it got a little clearer, and he recognised it as the song I've Never Been In Love Before. He shrugged it off as someone playing it on their stereo somewhere, although he was still some distance from any other house. Still, it was the best explanation he had at the time. But it repeated, as if it were on continuous play, almost as if it were playing in his head. What confused him was that he didn't really know the song, other than to have heard the medley somewhere before. Sometime later, Charles looked up the song. It was published in 1950 for the Broadway play Guys and Dolls. It is said that it's supposed to be a duet, but what Charles heard whilst in the room was not. Also, he didn't hear any major orchestra behind it. It all was pretty much just singing, as if someone was just doing it without any music. While Charles was doing his surveying of the room, he thought of potential uses for it. He thought it might be a good place for a man cave. As he was laying it out in his mind, it dawned on him why he was up there in the first place. He wasn't one to usually speak to himself, but nevertheless, he asked out loud, Would you mind if I made this into a man cave? In that instant, he heard the tinkle of wind chimes. That moment caused his imagination to leap even further than before. They did have wind chimes, which was on the back porch just a few feet below where Charles was standing, so it wasn't like it was strange. What took him aback was the timing. It was a still evening, so the chimes had been silent except for that moment. That night, Dan and Charles set up the recorder and camped themselves in the family room, which had clear sight of the kitchen. Hours passed, without incident, and the two of them kept to their laptops for the most part, just listening and waiting. It was 3.45 when Dan looked up from his screen and asked Charles if they had a clock radio going off somewhere in the house. Charles told him no, and asked him why. He said, I'm hearing music. What are you hearing? Charles asked him. A song, he said, and then he told Charles that he had never heard it before, so he wasn't sure what it was. Charles asked him to sing it for him, which Dan refused to do. 
Instead, he spoke the word, saying, It's going, I thought my heart was safe. And then, something strange and strong. Then something, something she's never been in love before. Charles was stunned. Show tunes were nowhere on Dan's radar, so there was no way he could have made this up. It was this that affirmed to Charles that he had definitely heard the song whilst in that room in the house. At first, he thought it was just in his head. But now, he was certain it wasn't just him. Now Dan, of all people, heard the same thing. Charles didn't actually recall the lyrics strange and strong, but he played the song from his laptop to Dan, and they confirmed that those words were indeed part of the lyrics. The ever-pragmatic Dan didn't like it one bit, and he left shortly after. This solidified to Charles that something was present in the house. Charles downloaded the rest of the Guys and Dolls soundtrack to play in the house. He wanted whoever was doing the singing to know he was listening. Over the following week, Charles worked on getting to the bottom of the activity. He met up with Dan so they could discuss the music they heard. They agree that it is not inconceivable that someone was playing a recording of that specific song somewhere in the area. It seems far-fetched, but it couldn't be ruled out. There was a field along the south side of the house that runs along a subtle valley. Below that, and at some distance, were a couple of houses. Charles had experienced firsthand how strangely sound can travel across this field. For example, he once heard parts of a conversation when the distance would have it seem impossible. So the song they heard may not be anything extraordinary. Charles invited Fred over to go through the basement with him, specifically to look over the automatic sprinkler system. It occurred to Charles that it was the one thing that was on a timer, and given the irregularity of the noises and the fact that the pipes could make inordinately loud noises, the automatic sprinkler system was immediately a suspect. Yet, when they traced the pipes, they could not duplicate the sound. Either way, Charles shut the system down completely. Another thing Charles considered was that they had mice under the porch last year, and they spotted one in the kitchen. They had an exterminator come out to get rid of them. As he did such a great job the first time, Charles called him and told him they were getting a lot of noise in the attic over the kitchen. He explained that it was quite loud, so it wasn't likely to be a field mouse, but something a lot bigger. Charles added that he hadn't seen signs of rodents since his last visit. The exterminator explained that it wasn't unusual not to see them at first, and assured Charles that mice and roof rats can make a lot of noise. He also suggested, based on what he remembered of the house from his previous visit, that if Charles was concerned that rodents might be getting in, that he lay a line of flour across the entry to the kitchen, which is along the rear wall. If they find any tracks, they would know they had mice in the house. Charles gave that a try. The next morning he did find tracks, but they weren't that of mice. It was as if something had swept across the flower and then stopped. Every night since the activity started, Charles was woken at the same time each night. This happened whether he heard the banging noise or not. Caroline would remain asleep, whilst Charles would go and sit downstairs with his audio recorder running 
to see if he could capture something. Some time had passed, and one day Charles was pulling into the driveway when he saw his neighbours Fred and Mary. His driveway is an easement through their property, and he'll usually stop to chat whenever he sees them outside. They proceeded with their usual lines of conversation, but it quickly shifted to the activity of what was going on in the house. The conversation that followed was the final thing that convinced Charles that everything that had been happening in the house was most certainly paranormal. Fred was born in the house at the end of their driveway, and except for about a ten-year period had lived there all his life. At the time of these events, Fred was eighty-one. Charles hadn't seen Fred and Mary in several days, and he hadn't told Fred anything about the music they had been hearing. So when the subject came up, Charles explained everything and that he had concluded that the song he heard was I've Never Been In Love Before. Fred physically reacted to the information. He was literally taken aback. His eyes began to well up and he took hold of Mary as if he was worried he might fall. He looked at his wife and nodded. It's Ducey, he said. This is the end of part one of this story. Part two will be out next week. This story was based on true events and was adapted, narrated and produced by me, James Deverell. This is a pilot season for this podcast, something I would like to make a lot more regular. If you enjoyed it, please help it to grow by leaving a positive review. To keep up to date with me on social media, check out my Twitter account, at daredeverell, and Instagram, at jamesdeverell. If you enjoy my storytelling and paranormal stories, as well as subscribing to this podcast, you should also check out my YouTube channel, Mr. Sinister. Thank you for listening.